is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Derek, anything uh, interesting happened to you over the Thanksgiving weekend? Anything fun you'd like to share with us? Oh, you know, had a was it a, a calm, good... relaxing weekend? Those it was. It was. I had a good night out too with the uh, with the in laws, brother in law, wife. You know, did the did the biggest bar night of the year. You know, Wednesday night. Nice. Dinner. I just recently heard about this, so other people know about this. What's it called? Um, Wasted Wednesday. Is that right? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know it by name. To be honest, oh, I, I just, heard a name for it. I just know it as the the biggest bar night of the year. And so, yeah. you know, I went to dinner, went to a a nice place, and then went to you know one of the one of the more towny places to end the night, which you usually do on nights like that. But yeah, that relaxing night, and then let me tell you, you know, highlight of the weekend. The great, you know, parents just got a new TV. You know, dad's super pumped to watch the Michigan game with me. You know, we were talking right before the game. Man, if we saw him beat him twice in a row, I mean, what a what a great life that would be. And boom. Michigan's like undefeated against Ohio State since I got married, by the way. That's insane. This marriage does not know what it's like to lose to Ohio State. And I hope it never does. Right. I couldn't believe the magic. I... It, I don't know. There's so much to talk about, but the lasting feeling I have of, I should say the lasting feeling of negativity is going into halftime, feeling really lucky to be in a close game because you look at the rushing stats and you know how big being able to run the football is in that game. And you're like, no path to victory. I don't see it. You know, it's one thing to, to hang with uh, that, that Ohio state team for, for two quarters um, you hit a, you know, two big plays and that's basically the difference. I didn't see a path to a win. I, I totally did not. And I'm curious how you felt at that specific point of the game where you're like, yeah, you know, Michigan is in it. But like I said, I just didn't see a path forward. Well, let me just say this first. This is how important these games are, especially as a Michigan fan. Like, being with family for me is, you know, top-notch, right? Like, love hanging with the fam, love the holiday season. But the highlight for sure is this Michigan win. And, I mean, it's like, you know, no offense to family. It's not even close, right? Like, it's just (laughs) like it doesn't happen, right? And that's kind of the excuse you can make is like, hey, the back-to-back thing hasn't happened in 22, 23 years, so, like, yeah, love y'all, but, you know, I was a kid when that happened. But for me, I – so we kind of both went in, I don't know, expecting a loss. Is that fair to say? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, I was worried that the outcome, you know, the 45 to 23 would be flipped. You know, it would be Ohio State. And the way Michigan played early, even watching it back, um, it's it's amazing how many times in the first quarter, you know, they had a chance to to convert and didn't. Um, you know, you came out of the first quarter down 10 to three, but it felt like uh, a game where not, you know, because the defense was playing well enough to, to hold Ohio State to 10, which felt like an accomplishment. Uh, but when you saw that rushing differential and you knew that Blake Horan wasn't coming back, like my confidence was very low. You know, last year they had a couple of big plays and A.J. Henning scored right away. And you kind of got this feeling like the way the defense is playing, the way Michigan scored early, like they can do this thing. This year, I did not have that feeling until 
really honestly the second half, you know, cause even, even the broken play touchdown by Cornelius Johnson, where they, you know, tie the game, you know, hold Ohio state to a field goal, which is a huge win. And then first play after that, uh, scoring a 75 yard touchdown. Like it felt like momentum shifted there. Like it, it didn't feel like Ohio state had broken just yet. Um, because they responded well with a, you know, a long touchdown pass from CJ Stroud to Marvin Harrison jr. And then you had the debacle of the end of the first half, which not even the announcers knew what was going on. Like nobody anywhere, including coaches, knew what the heck was happening in the last 30 seconds of the half. I've never been more lost as a fan. Me no idea what was going on, but it was like, wow, this is botched. They had a chance to score. It didn't happen. But man, when you score first in the third quarter on that first possession, especially after drawing it out, that to me felt like, you know, it, I had the confidence then where it's like, I think they're going to win this thing. Like, unless they really start giving up touchdowns, which they never did in the second half, you know, when, when, when JJ hit Colson Loveland for yet another deep pass, something he had not done all season, I had a feeling like, Hey, you know, there's a lot of game left and a lot of defense to be played against a very good offense. But that was the moment for me. I was like, you've got JJ with his third touchdown pass and Colston Loveland, a freshman making a big play. I was like, that's, that's it. That's game. I love going through in a game like this and picking out some stats and being like, what if I told you? So I'm going to do it here. And it just sounds crazy because I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. All right. You don't know the result, except you know that it was 45 to 23. That's the score. You don't know who won. What else do you know? Uh, J.J. McCarthy completed 50% of his passes. Uh, C.J. Stroud threw for 350 yards. Blake Corum got two carries. Ohio State had 200-yard receivers. If all you know is the score was 45-23, to 23, one team put up 45 points, and you know that J.J. McCarthy completed 50% of his passes. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud threw for 350 yards, and Blake Corum uh, is limited to two carries. No way in your mind you're thinking, oh, yeah, Michigan won that game. But somehow, some way, a couple big plays in each half, and that's how you get 45 points. And it was so crazy to see Michigan do that against Ohio State because you just get so used to seeing it the other way. I mean, even last year, it's not like Michigan's ripping off a bunch of big plays. There were some chunk plays. We talked about it last week. Like It was really important to get chunk plays, especially through the air, because that's what makes – uh, the ground game so successful, but to to see the level of of execution and and to see Michigan rip off you know really big plays against Ohio State was just like borderline mind blowing because you've you've come to not expect that at all. I've always been a guy that kind of throws records and, and stuff aside during rivalries, maybe more so with Michigan and Michigan State because it feels like Michigan State's always given their best effort, which you can't always say that for Michigan in this rivalry in the last decade, just the way Ohio State's, you know, dominated. But, you know, when you throw out those stats, the one that I was thinking about, which we touched on lightly, was the the rush yards in the first half, the, the inability. I think it was uh, like for, 10 rushing yards. Yeah, 10. And you know, the, the, the no go for Blake Corum, you know, you know, the moment he clapped his hands together after Mike Hart said something to him and looked back, like he was tagging another guy in for good. Uh, the fact that Donovan Edwards really didn't get going at all in the first half. And so th- there was no run game. Uh, I put a lot of weight into that, you know, the team that rushes for the most yards wins the game. 
And there was a point, again, third quarter, a uh, few minutes in where, where Michigan takes a 24 to 20 lead where I thought, you know what, throw that out the window. Like this is going to be one of those games that Michigan can win without doing that. And then all that happens after that is Donovan Edwards essentially goes for 200 yards and a half. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's crazy to see Ohio State fans especially react the way they have. Oh, it's been hilarious, though. It, it's To me, it's like, oh, you know, Ohio State, you know, play-by-play, play, you know, dominated the game, like, outside of big plays. Dude, it was five big plays. <laughs> Any game where you give up five big plays, including three over 75 yards, I don't care if you win every other play. You gave up. And, and that feels like what Ohio State has done. Ohio State has always played sound football. They've dominated this rivalry, and there's always a game you can think of where somebody on Ohio State's team, including C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison for 42, goes off for a big play. You know, you can think of Beanie Wells busting out for a second big touchdown run in a game that was close until then. You know, you can you can think of just like play. It's we talked about this last week. Playmakers for Ohio State normally make big plays in this game and you've always wondered like okay where are michigan stars or does michigan have enough stars that's what it was against georgia last season this year you have a quarterback who finally looked like the star the five-star quarterback that people expected him to be all season like that type of game is what i think people expected early on in the year and jim harbaugh said it best like this dude could have been entitled and been like no i don't want to turn the ball I don't want to turn around and hand the ball off every play. Uh, in a game where he had to throw, he couldn't have made, you know, even only making 50% of them, you know, he couldn't have made more significant completions. Uh, throwing for three touchdowns, lowering his shoulder for a fourth. Like J.J. McCarthy played really well. And I think the difference is Ohio State spent all year, you know, zoning in on this game and they were going to win the Ohio State way. They were going to commit to stopping the run and make J.J. throw, and they didn't adjust. They were as stubborn as Jim Harbaugh can be when Michigan loses a game. You're like, why didn't they change? Like, Ohio State continued to stuff the run, and J.J. McCarthy, Cornelius Johnson, and eventually Colson Lublin completely shredded them through the air. And then the moment Jim Harbaugh says, you know what, now I am going to ground and pound, all Donovan Edwards does is, is run for the two longest runs against Ohio State in Ohio State history. So, I mean, that's they thrashed them. I mean, this was way more dominant than last season. Uh, and that's saying a lot because last season was a beating as well. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Donovan Edwards, like the, the fact that he was basically carrying the ball with like a, a hand and a half, you know, not really able, it, the primary ball carrying arm is his left arm, his, his off arm. And he's not really able to wrap up. And I got so nervous, you know, every time there's a short yardage situation or, or they're putting in between the tackles, like that dude's got to have the tightest grip in the world using one arm, especially late when you know Ohio State's coming after that football. And I, you know what, uh, it ended up being nothing to worry about. But in the moment, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they have so much trust in him to go out there and take care of the football. And obviously he rewards that, but man, I was so nervous in the moment, just thinking he's got one hand and, you know, one and a half hands, but he's not able to wrap up the football. And like, gosh, if, if, if you know, if there are moments like that and where ball security just comes into play so much more. And 
I'm like, really, really the guy with, with one functional arm and hand, but totally paid off. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that the Don, the, the Don, Don got his moments I, in I saw, the spotlight. You see that? Like what, what resonates more? Oh, Jabo or the Don? Oh, Jabo for me. I still. mean, oh, oh, Jabo for sure. Cause I think it's always going to be that, like that time that Michigan finally beat Ohio State, but the Don in the, the setting Don. on the road, like we won't. I mean, that'll be a highlight that we watch for a long time. And we're going to be like, you know, to our grandkids, like that dude had a broken thumb cast on. Here, here's what I'll say. Dom Evers is fast, right? I, yeah. I, this is all I could think about. So I ran a lot of track, uh, ran a lot of relays, carried a lot of batons. For me, my baton carrying hand was my right hand, my dominant hand. And if I was ever in so like a four by four in a little bit of a faster race, I didn't feel like I could hit top gear until I switched. You know, you kind of grab the baton with your left hand, you switch it to your right hand, and, you know, you kind of start running. There are some races, you know, where you couldn't make that switch as quick, and I had just kind of tested it out. Like, I didn't feel as confident or as fast if I didn't have a baton in my strong hand. And you don't worry about losing a baton. Like, you worry about having a football stripped. But that's all I could think about is, like, this dude has to be so uncomfortable with a cast on, like you said, carrying with his offhand, but then also like just going full speed, like, and then catching the ball, like, you know, JJ yeah. him on like a, a six yard, you know, dump, like, you know, he's he, even the way he secured the ball, you could tell like, he's really just making it work. But like, like Jim Harbaugh said, he could have taken a knee. He was absolutely not going to do so. You know, he doesn't play against Illinois because of that thumb, but he's not going to take a knee when he knows that Blake Corum can't go and it took 22 carries uh, and you know, maybe more like 18 until the big ones. Um, uh, but he, he finally got some room in the second half. And then all of a sudden there was nothing but room because that offensive line wore down, uh, the defensive line in the trenches, but you know, to, to play that great of a game, uh, with an injury like that, you know, literally a legend. And I think that's why for me, the Don though, not as, you know, iconic as Ojabo, like, the Don, I mean, what a performance. And I, and I think, too, you know, those offensive performances, the two big runs for touchdowns, a little bit more flashy than a sack. Uh, man, just did not expect that after a game that had already up to that point maybe not gone as expected. And let me tell you this. I've got a, I've got a good friend from high school, listens to the show, uh, messaged me on Instagram immediately after uh, and said, you know, maybe you and Tyler will have more confidence next season. So I want to tell you. <laughs> We did get called out with our prediction of a loss. I'll take the L. Uh, and sorry, Ryan, for not having the confidence. I, you know, just didn't have it in me. Willing to take the L, though, right? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll guess 49 to nothing and still take that L because, you know, that win at the end of the day, you throw out all the predictions, man. It just felt good. Who's the proper mayor of Columbus? Is is it the Don or is it Cornelius Johnson? <sighs> I'm going to go with the Don just because the way Don Edwards put the game away and in the fashion he did so. Now, no discredit to Cornelius Johnson. You know, his his two touchdowns, obviously, as important, especially how early they were. Um, you know, both happening really back-to-back possessions in the second quarter to, to really show that Michigan was, you know, just a couple of big plays away from being in this thing. Because, again, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. It felt like it could have gotten out of control. And the one broken play and then, you know, the wide open, you know, completely burn his man. You know, J.J. still underthrew him a little bit. 
those two plays are as significant as any. Uh, but just the way that, you know, Donovan Edwards late in the game just continued to crush uh, Ohio State, especially with a hand injury. To me, he feels like the mayor of, of Columbus right now. What, what Now, where does uh, Mike Sanders still fit into the administration? I'll say that that's the biggest play of the game because if that touchdown scored, there's a huge swing. There uh, is. Instead of settling for, uh, you know, a short field goal, uh, you're looking at, a I think, a four-point game it would have been. Uh, and a lot more momentum. Uh, now, can Donovan Edwards still do what he did after that? You know, probably you still kick the ball off. Michigan still has the same game plan as a response. The blocking's still probably that good. And, by the way, like we talked about, he did it twice. Uh, right. So I think Michigan still <laughs> wins that game. But that play, uh, how far behind or out of the play he looked when you look at the start of that play uh, and where that play finished, uh, I'd say play of the game, especially defensively. And honestly, to me, with all the, the hype he's had and, and how well he's played in so many games, the, the fact that he was not recognized as one of the Big Ten's best, just absolutely crazy to me. I know he plays a little bit of a unique position back there, uh, maybe not on the, the field on every play, uh, especially at some parts of the season. But my goodness, man, he played a whale of a game. And his transition uh, from wide receiver to, to defensive back probably – Talked about a lot when you're watching Michigan, not talked about enough nationally, and he's definitely going to make himself some good money in the NFL. A whole defensive game plan was incredible because it was so different from last season when it was a, a lot of star power uh, riding riding the ship for Michigan, steering the ship, I mean, and, and saying, like, this game is ours. And, you know, you didn't – I mean, there were good individual plays, specifically by Mike Sanders still, but it was a lot of – you know, C.J. Stroud, you know, he had plenty of time, uh, but he, there's a reason he didn't take many shots downfield because it just wasn't there. And uh, that that last uh, uh, drive where it looked like, you know, Michigan was almost basically conceding a touchdown, um, the, the one that ended in, in the interception inside the 10, it was just a, a perfect drive, I thought, a perfect defensive drive because you're saying, yeah, fine, bring it down here to the – to the 15 20 yard line then we're tightening up and it worked perfectly and i just thought from start to finish michigan uh pressed all the right buttons defensively against a really high powered ohio state offense and like i said uh cj stroud you know threw for for almost uh 350 yards he, he finished at 349 and that's a that's a really nice number but then you see he averaged 7.3 yards per attempt and also had two interceptions and finished with a, a QBR of 68.6 compared to, to McCarthy's uh, 92.6. So, you know, you dig a little bit into that 349 yards and you start to see how Michigan made things really difficult for Ohio State. So it wasn't just the play of Mike Sanders still. It was top to bottom, start to finish. They just did such an incredible job of keeping Ohio State uncomfortable offensively and even when Ohio State was able to move the ball, really tightening up, forcing field goals, forcing turnovers in some critical spots. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the second half um, and just the way Michigan dominated defensively. You know, Ohio State's first possession in the second half, they punt only 17 yards total. Second possession, zero yards total. Third possession, seven yards total. And there's some there's some penalties in there as well as some personal fouls. Uh, they finally get the points after a 52-yard drive. 
Uh, and then the last two drives, uh, even with one having, you know, 59 yards, the interception uh, really deep into Michigan territory. And, and honestly, on a play, not not the smartest play, uh, but the idea of what he was trying to do, uh, if uh, I can't even think of who he was throwing it to, but if, you know, if the receiver's on board and, and, and aware of what's happening there, he has a chance to bring that in, just kind of tipped off of the receiver's hand. Uh, the other reception, you know, Silver tried to make a play on it, and it just kind of, you know, naturally bounced off his fingertips and into the hands of Makari Page. But to be able to, you know, hold him to three punts, a field goal, and then two interceptions, uh, that's about as dominant of a performance as you can have defensively and just, you know, proof that, again, that Michigan in the second half this year, uh, yeah, nobody's close to how well they've played uh, in the second half consistently. Really outside of maybe Maryland and uh, Illinois. I think those are the only two teams that had any amount of success. And, you know, the last six games, I think it was, I saw three points total they've allowed in the fourth quarter specifically, which is absolutely insane. By the way, oh, I did not even write down our Michigan-Ohio State predictions. Hey, I mean, as, I know as we both pointed out, losses. As pointed out, they were wrong. They, they were wrong. Oh, and, I mean, I think I, I it was an eight point. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think I picked eight points, maybe a 32 to 24, three to 25, something in that category. Uh, I picked Michigan to score 20 without Blake Corum. I do remember that. I think one of my scenarios with a healthy backfield was 27 without was 20. And I kind of very more comfortable of a general... state win think it's going to be hard for him to pull it off but hey you know in, in a good spot to even transition like this this thing's changed right you can't win two in a row in that fashion and not have the momentum for once in the rivalry right right and that's the other thing to definitely talk about and and we you know i've gotten a good laugh out of watching ohio state fans deal with this for the first time in a long time is like jim harbaugh has ryan day's number and ryan day look looked a little shook on this on the sideline and looked a little unsure uh with some of those play calls and and I thought you know gosh like it, it's one thing to win it once in in even in the way that Michigan did it last year but it's you know another thing to do it twice in a row it's another thing to go to Columbus and do that to Ohio State and and win 45 to 23 and score 21 fourth quarter points to pull away and maybe the best win of the season in college football. And and you're like, Ryan Day has done everything that uh, Ohio State fans could realistically ask for. Uh, he's absolutely carried on in, in most ways the Urban Meyer standard of what Ohio State football is, except in one very important way, which is that he is now one and two against Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And I am so curious to see uh, in in the coming off season, going into next season, and you know, God forbid if Michigan should win three in a row, just how that fan base and how the university reacts to a coach who's just winning, 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 and then can't beat uh, the arch rival Michigan. That's going to be so interesting. And you know, not to say that this will happen because you know i think that they're always going to have great players always going to have a great formula always win you know what what is it 90 some percent of the games they play um but can you also 
stay perfect until that game. You know, that game's always at the end of the season, probably still likely will be even with changes to the conference in the near future. But can you handle business throughout the year? You know, they've had years where they have lost to to an Oregon, you know, last year and then to a, a Michigan. Uh, you know, there could be a, you know, Penn State could be getting better. They have a, a great quarterback taking over for Sean Clifford. They continue to have good recruit, recruiting classes. They're number eight team in the country with two losses to, you know, the number five team and the number two team. Uh, so you could say Penn State's had a pretty good year. Um, can they handle business the way they have uh, and find a way to beat Michigan again after missing on the last two attempts? It's going to be really interesting to see. You know, could they have, you know, maybe a Clemson-like year where it feels like things are more unorganized than they had been for a decade. Uh, Alabama this year with two losses, but still, you know, sitting at six, just waiting for chaos to hopefully sneak in as the first two-loss team in the playoff. Uh, What are things going to look like when the playoff expands? But, yeah, you know, I I don't want to go as far as saying, like, hey, Michigan has has broken Ohio State and Ryan Day, but the way the fan base is reacting uh, definitely feels that way. And for me, you know, winning on the road, awesome. Definitely the biggest win of the, the year. You know, maybe Tennessee and Alabama you could put up there, but Tennessee was at home with a major home crowd advantage. I'd compare that more to Michigan-Ohio State last year. But to be there for the first time since 2018 and win in that fashion, you know, there's fans, season ticket holders. Think of all the, the fans that have waited four years to watch the rival come and play in the horseshoe. And then just watch your favorite team just get demolished like that. I mean, what a what a great way to win your second in a row for the first time in two decades. Uh, and just you know, big plays, most exciting part of college football by far. Uh, to have the the amount of big plays uh, Michigan did, very impressive. And hey, you know, we have to leave some time for this. It's, I'm so curious of what we see Saturday, right? Like. Right. Same thing happened last year. Uh, you finally get over the hump. Jim Harbaugh finally beats Ohio State, makes it to a Big Ten championship. Game slow at first. Iowa's defense looking good, pin- pinning Michigan deep. Next thing you know, huge Blake Corum run. Donovan Edwards just throwing a bomb for a touchdown. Michigan blows it wide open. Uh, have no idea what happens this Saturday, and I guess I'd rather, you know, have no idea what to predict. Uh, and have Michigan coming off of, you know, maybe the biggest win of the, the decade or two. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they win. I, I don't have <laughs> a lack of confidence in that after handling Ohio State, but it's always so weird to think of, like, what does a team do after such a statement win like that? And I guess the answer, as, as Jim Harbaugh said all year, is the next game is the biggest game of the year, and, and they're all business and, and focused as, as – uh, you know, as, as high as it's ever been this season. Yeah, the Michigan's a 17-point favorite over Purdue right now. And I, when I looked, uh, I think yesterday, uh, Tuesday, this was the largest spread of the um, conference championship games by, uh, you know, this is a decent margin. Purdue's 8-4, and four, you know, the, it looked for so long like this was going to be Illinois. Then it was like, oh, it turns out Iowa's got a chance to win it. And it's like, oh, well, actually, here comes Purdue. Uh, good good, high-powered offense. Aiden O'Connell's a really good quarterback. He's got Chuck Sizzle who can throw the ball to. Charlie Jones, the Iowa transfer. That's going to be a potentially lethal connection over there. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Michigan Michigan's going to be a little too much in this one for Purdue. I am uh, excited to see, though, like – this is the first time 
in in the history of the Big Ten championship game that an Indiana school will be in it. And you talk about some of the, it just seems like teams from the West, you know, you're coming a long way, even though Indiana kind of is the, the center point. Uh, you know, it's, it just seems like fan bases have to come a long way to get here. Whereas Purdue, you know, West Lafayette's an hour away. I'm, I'm excited to see Purdue fans downtown on, on Saturday. I want to see how they fill up uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, but you know, for their sake, I, I I feel bad as a Michigan fan saying it, but for their sake, you know, I hope it's I hope it's a good memorable time. Uh, I I'm sure Michigan's too much in this one, like I said, but their first time getting here, it looked so unlikely, and and they do have uh, what can be a fun team. So heck, I mean, go out there, let it rip. I hope they have fun. Yeah, I think that Purdue could easily be competitive for a half or even more. Uh, you know, when you when you're a giant killer like Purdue has been, they've had that reputation for a long time. Uh, you know, I think I saw a stat there. You know, they have a winning record against uh, ranked opponents in the last several years, which is actually really impressive for an eight and four team. Three of those losses coming to to conference opponents. Uh, but you know, Jeff Brom is has talked about this game, give a lot of props to Michigan saying that their combination of running now passing, or at least the ability to pass. And then, you know, mixing of that defense is going to be tough to be, you know, they will have to be exactly that a giant killer. Uh, and, you know, Michigan's riding off of a high of uh, beating an arch rival for the second year in a row, again, for the first time in two decades. Um, and maybe the, the goal this year, wasn't specifically, Big Ten, it was, you know, beat the States, beat Georgia, win a national championship. Uh, they have a, you know, a great shot of, of reaching those goals. Uh, and that's not to skip over the Big Ten championship, but I think this year more specifically, you know, they know that they have to win that game to, to reach that next goal. Uh, they could still be in with a loss to Purdue. I think it'd be a tough loss and it'd be definitely, you know, not one you want to lose. You don't want to have to leave it to the, the committee's hands. Uh, so you take care of business, even if it's a close game, you're obviously in, uh, and you have that chance to, to play in the semifinal. And, uh, if you're the best team in a two, three matchup, uh, you're likely to face Georgia in a rematch of last year's semifinal. And you know that, you know, as much as that's the team that you want to see eliminated by the number four, if, if, if Georgia is in fact one and, and wins this weekend as well, uh, it's probably the team you don't want to face because of how good Georgia is and how bad they beat you last year. But if you're a player, you absolutely want a shot at Georgia. Uh, to beat Georgia would feel better than beating Ohio State, which is crazy to say because we're, you know, again, only on the second year of beating Ohio State for the first time in a long time. But there's no team in the country like, we're moving on. <laughs> they want to beat more than Georgia. And that win, you know, if it's for a national championship, obviously – uh, way more impressive than, than beating, you know, Ohio state win uh, becomes much smaller at that point, but yeah, you know, you, you got to avoid a letdown. That's the the story of this weekend. And, and I think the way that Jim Harbaugh has the team united, the way that they treat every game, like it's the biggest game in the world uh, and just the preparation they've had, uh, even JJ McCarthy, you know, hearing, you know, those 15 plays, the script plays on offense and defense, the challenge that that can be, uh, but then really executing that in-game plan. Credit to both offense coordinators. Credit to Jesse Minter, who's had an incredible season, should easily be an assistant of the year, just like Josh Gaddis was last season. 
like their adjustments, uh, their post halftime performances, uh, just lead me to believe it's going to be really hard for Purdue to to hang around, uh, even if they do have some big pass plays, which they're bound to do. They've been able to pass on any team they faced. Yeah, I uh, to see Chuck Sizzle in person might be something I, I get to remember and and talk about for a little while. I have we seen any any update on on Blake Quorum's status? I don't think we have, have we? You know, I would be shocked if you see him, regardless. But I no, I personally haven't. Uh, I was on the internet so much between Saturday night and all the way up until that uh, eleven p.m. tip off last night in Michigan, Virginia. Jesus. Uh, that I've, I kind of eleven. <laughs> <laughs> a I just caught that. <laughs> <laughs> Ended at like eleven forty-five. Though heartbreaking. Um, yeah. No, I kind of gave up the gave up the socials today, man. My my heart's been into this podcast. So I just thought I'd. Oh. Leave. <laughs> we'll know by Saturday, I, though. I, I would imagine this is a game. There's nothing to hide. Uh, you you can beat Purdue just playing standard Michigan football. Uh, I would rather just hear that you know he's not good to go, and and here's how he's going to recover in time for the playoffs. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. And and I I think what ends up happening, or the the scenario I have in my head is is no Blake Corum, but. You get Donovan Edwards out there, maybe a little more CJ Stokes this Absolutely. week than than last week. Um, but the key to the whole thing, man, is like if if JJ McCarthy is on and and Michigan's able to move the ball through the air, now you might be able to put me back there, you know, and let me get four yards pop behind that offensive line. So I, I think it truly does start with, with JJ McCarthy without uh, Blake Blake Corum, but I just yeah I I don't think Michigan will have too much of an issue. The the problem will be though is if if Purdue is able to load up the box and and say you know we're not actually all that worried about McCarthy beating us with his arm because things aren't working out. That's where that's where it could get dicey. But uh, Michigan obviously proved that you know they don't need more than two carries from Blake Corum. Uh, to go have a, a really good explosive offensive game. Yeah. I mean, if we're, I guess we could do some predictions, you know, as a, what do you say? It That's was a now? good idea because I totally forgot. Uh, 17. 17. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this game will be closer than last year just because Iowa just, yeah, I mean, two years in a row, they've had no offense, right? Uh I think the over under is somewhere around fifty. I don't know if you have that. It is uh, fifty two. Well. Man, yeah, that's tough. You know, I think you scored forty two last year. Just put up forty five on Ohio State. Uh, you know, kicked a couple field goals, which they which they love to do. I, by the way, real quick, love love giving Jake Moody a shot to absolutely secure the kicker it. of the year award. Um, hated it. I hated it at the time, but as I thought about it, like Jim Harbaugh has always been known to be the most loyal of loyal. And, you know, he is a, you know, gift from the football gods, as Jim Harbaugh would say. And you let a kicker like that try to nail one on the road like that. And all credit to to Jim Harbaugh for having, you know, the confidence in his defense, because all they did is only allow a field goal. Uh, in the second half. So, you know, gutsy call, but man, if he nails that, he locks up the Luke Rose award for sure. But 
hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to let him get in on the action. I'm going to go 48 to 17 Michigan. Okay. That's respectable. Um I'm taking I'm taking less points on Michigan. I I got him 38-21, which is a 17 point margin if my math is correct. Um I, you know, I, I think the you can't expect the big place stuff to be there to, at the same volume that it was against Ohio State. You do get the benefit of playing in a dome, so you don't have to worry about weather in early December in the Midwest. But I I think Michigan's offense will still be efficient. You'll, you'll probably find some big plays, I'm sure, but you, you're not going to see uh, 85-yard, 75-yard, 75-yard touchdowns. I, I can't imagine... Michigan finds that level of success two weeks in a row, but I do still think it's comfortable. Does that feel right? Feels right. Here's where I'm at. This is my last time this season to have way too much confidence. So I'm just going with it. A 31 point victory is insane for a championship weekend. And should be, you shouldn't be beating a, you know, a, a, a foe on the other side of the division by 31 in a championship game. Uh, But what was it? 42 to three last year. So, yeah, I mean, there's been worse. So, you know, there I has. say I at least gave uh, Purdue a couple of more points than, than Iowa got last year. But yeah, I think you're probably closer. I think, I think, you know, Vegas always is, you know, pretty close to what they do, except last week um, <laughs> and the Ohio State game last year, of course. Uh, but hey, you know, I, I'm going to go in with ultra confidence because if I'm predicting a semifinal game on a podcast in a few weeks, uh, I'm not going to be able to say Michigan's a 31 point. Uh, no. winner so yeah might as well take the opportunity while i have it go trojans on friday night right absolutely do not let ohio state sneak into this no. playoff picture no leave not them at, at number five let them pout a little bit in fact have alabama pass them for no reason <laughs> neither of them playing a game just have, alabama yes. pass them. have the way that happens is if lsu beats georgia and now Alabama, uh, their loss against LSU looks a little better. Hey, go! See- uh, that's the only way that can happen. I was gonna say, go TCU too. Uh, just the idea that Georgia, Michigan, uh, two teams you probably don't mind seeing uh, if you're the nation. You know, Georgia just being the best this year, and Michigan having a return visit. Uh, but TCU and USC, you know, two teams that you don't. I mean, you knew that Lincoln Riley and, and Caleb Williams would have had a chance, but that instant turnaround really impressive yeah uh so it's nice to to see you know I, yeah georgia michigan tcu and, and usc to me personally sounds a lot more fun and unique than uh finding a way to get ohio state or alabama in there Ugh, puke yeah you're totally right um enjoy championship saturday or i should say weekend you know there's some friday action and then gosh college football playoff big reveal sunday I'm sure no matter what, we'll find Michigan's name in there, but hopefully next week we're also talking about the repeat Big Ten champions in the Michigan Wolverines, uh, hopefully beating Purdue out of the West. So until then, take care out there. Go Blue. Go Blue.